the Gospel of Mark. And it is, it really is, it's a fascinating book. It is a book that is um, probably the, the first one of the Gospels written. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was, it was written um, by this guy named John Mark. And John Mark, or Mark, is a, a very important uh, figure in the Bible. He, was, he, he always seems to be in some kind of a controversy. He covered a lot of ground and uh, uh, made some messes some places, but he, uh, you read about him in the book of Acts, and he made a pretty big mess in the book of Acts. Uh, but, but God, that just shows that God can use us all. No matter who we are, where we are, what we're doing, God's got a plan to, to use us all. And he doesn't throw us away. Just because he made a mess in the book of Mark doesn't mean that, I mean, in the book of Acts, doesn't mean that God threw him away and said, well, I'm finished with him. If you know the story, um, uh, they sent Mark with, uh, with, uh, uh, on this, with Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. And some way along the line, Mark decided, I don't want to do this. This is not what I had in mind. Uh, I'm out of here. And he abandoned them. He left them. And, um, and, it, it, and a little later on, after they went home, Paul and Barnabas are going to go on another missionary journey. And Barnabas says, let's go get Mark. And Paul says, no way. I'm not taking that loser with us on another trip. He's a quitter. He walked out on us. I'm not going to do it. And one of the world's greatest missionary teams was split up by this guy named Mark. And uh, after this time, we, we know that we see this incredible gospel coming out. God's is going to use you. Well, I've messed up bad. You're not written down in the book of Acts as being one of the guys that, that spit up a missionary team. God can use this. And so if you're at that place in your life where you say, I just don't know. I don't know if God can use me. I just got to sit back and be second place. Um, I say, you know, get in tune with the word of God and realize that God is gracious. He's forgiving. And, and he keeps us moving. <clears throat> Mark, as I was saying, Mark is probably, um, I, I'm from the, the school of thought that Mark was the first of the Gospels written. Um, okay, I, you, we all know that the titles and the numbers in the, in, in, in the Bible are not Holy Spirit inspired. They are not what the Holy Spirit was inspiring them to write down. So we can kind of mess with the titles a little bit and not be in heresy. Uh, they were just put on by human beings to try and define some things. But probably the better title of it would be the Gospel of Peter as put together by Mark. Uh, church history tells us that Mark was uh, Peter's interpreter. Uh, evidently, Mark was a pretty smart kid and knew a lot of languages. And whenever, Paul, whenever Peter would go on missionary journeys... Um, Mark was along with him to, to interpret, to, uh, to put it into the language of the, crew, of the, the group that, uh, that Peter was preaching to. And so these are stories, these are sermons that Peter preached to people about Jesus Christ and about, the, about what he was trying to, to get across. Uh, the book of Matthew contains about 91% of, of the gospel of Mark. Uh, the book of Luke, about 53%. Now, um, we, we've been around enough now. We know that, that the, the four gospels, that the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels. 
The same, same view. John ha- takes it from a different standpoint. It all agrees. It all says the same thing. There is no contradiction, regardless of what the History Channel says. Um, I, I'll pick on them several times today, by the way. Um, but um, but, uh, but th- th- these three, they were written at, at probably about the same time. There's a possibility that there was another source that, uh, that Matthew and Luke had when they were writing down their gospel besides Mark. We're not sure where it is. It's just a thought that some scholars have put together that it looks like there might have been another source. Uh, in the theological world, uh, it's called quella or thekfella, which in German is the source. Is that right, Lydia? You know, I don't know if it's right or not. I don't speak German, but... Uh, um, whatever, whatever the proper word for, for, for source is in German, uh, is, this is what that's, they, they call it the source. But, uh, but Peter put it all, uh, put these sermons together. Uh, Mark comes along and realizes that we've got to start writing this stuff down. These guys are dying. The original 12 uh, are dying. They have, they're being martyred. They're being killed. They're doing what Jesus told them to do. They're going into all the world preaching the gospel. They're, they're getting killed. And uh, we've got to write these stories down, or, or we can't just have them word by word, by you know, storytelling. And so they, Mark writes this down so that, that we will have these things under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. He had you in mind in Claremont 2,000 years later because he wanted you to understand the gospel that Peter saw, that, that Mark heard him preach, and Mark wrote them down. Now, the audience that, that Mark is writing to is not like some of the other audiences. Mark is writing to a Western-style thinking. When I say Western, I'm not talking about John Wayne. Um, we're talking about Western mindset, the way that we think, the way that we develop thought processes, and the way that we come to our, to our understanding. And so Mark is writing this down basically to, to reach uh, people that think like we think. We think more like Romans uh, than we do uh, the people from, say, uh, Constantinople. Our mindset, we, we process our thoughts different. We, we file them away in, in our brains in a different fashion. Stories the same. Stories are all, all true. But Mark had something he had to accomplish. The Holy Spirit knew that the church was going to begin to face even more persecution. And there needed to be an encouraging of the church. So Mark, under the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is writing down these stories to tell the people, and Mark probably wrote this in Rome, when he was in Rome. He probably wrote this so that the Roman citizens, Christians, could, could understand it. Um, it, it and, and it worked. I don't know how else to say it. It worked. I've been in the catacombs in Rome. I've seen the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of graves under the ground in the catacombs of Rome of believers in Jesus Christ that faced persecution and, and, and stayed true to the faith. Now, Mark knew, 
under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they had to write these things down. And as he's writing them down, he is, he's doing something. He's reaching the way that these Romans thought. It is, it is, uh, it's as fast-moving stories about the work of Jesus Christ. It was written to, to capture this Western mindset, uh, probably, like I was saying, in Rome to appeal to people who think in a fast-moving fashion. They were used to hearing the stories of, of Roman armies going into to countries, uh, overpowering them, taking them over, and conquering them. And Peter, Paul, I'm sorry, Mark is trying to get across to these Roman thinkers that Jesus Christ is not only works not only like the Roman government and being a conqueror, that he is the true reason for life. And so uh, when he's saying, if you want to serve Jesus, you need to know why you're serving him. So, so why? Why am I serving, why am I serving God? And, and, and Mark is going to answer this. Nero is going to decide that he doesn't like Rome. He's going to look at it and say, it's full of a bunch of, of nasty little mud huts and wood, wood buildings, and I think that we should burn it down, and then everybody will build new houses. Now, if, you, and if you're a student of history, you know that what I'm saying is, is true. Um, there's, a, there's an old saying that, that uh, Nero did what when Rome burned? Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Well, and, you know, it's about the idea that, well, I got what I wanted. I set, I set everybody's houses on fire. Uh, and he forgot one thing. He forgot one thing. He forgot that people don't want their houses burned down. <laughs> no matter how dirty or filthy or ugly they are, it's still their house, and they don't want to burn down. And so he's getting this backlash, you know. Uh, the press conferences are coming in. The reporters are asking tough questions. And, uh, and uh, so what, what do we do? So, and Nero gets this brilliant idea. It wasn't me. You know who did it? It was those Christians, those weird, weird Christians that are out there. They did it. They set Rome on fire. And so, and so to, to honor you, we're going to beat these Christians up. And so persecution begins to come. The Holy Spirit knew that persecution was coming. And so under the direction of the Holy Spirit, Mark writes down that Jesus Christ is victorious. That Jesus Christ wins in the end. And he is going to put together these fast-moving video clips of the ministry of Jesus Christ that is going to show that he has power. A while back, a few years ago, I was flipping through the channels and there was a comedian on, on and I, I, you know, I, I never said I didn't know who he was and so I kind of watched him and and, and he said, he was talking about, you know, he said, you know, he said, I, the other day I was, I was looking at a statue of Jesus, you know, hanging on the cross. And I, mean, I was looking at him and I realized something. Wow, he's buff. 
And he says, and I started thinking, and I look at, look at Buddha, and, and there's this big fat slob, you know, there, and, you know, and he says, and I'm looking at it, and I realize that, you know, I don't want to f- serve a fat, slobby savior. I, w- I want a savior that's buff. And I come to find out over a period of time that, the, that he is a Christian comedian, and he was using his humor to, to get a, a, a message across. And this is the same thing that Mark is trying to do. He's saying, hey, Roman citizens, you're used to seeing the, the Roman soldiers walking around being tough and mean. I want you to know one thing. Jesus is more buff than the Roman soldiers. He's stronger than the Roman soldiers. And, and he says, and I'm going to prove it by showing you that Jesus is, 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 is a buff Savior. And so Mark sets out these vignettes, these little stories, these fast-moving video blasts. To, to get these stories across. 47 times in the book of Mark, the word of immediately or right then or the next thing that happened uh, as he is telling these stories, he's moving them very quickly into the, to the next story. And the next thing that happened was this. And people have to be sitting on the edges of their seats going, okay, what now? What, what do you do next? What do you do next? And this is what Mark is doing. He's letting them know that Jesus was, was the conqueror and um, that it takes action to be victorious. You've got to do something to make this happen. It would be, you've got, you've, you know, you've got, you've got to go for it. He would have been the, the first Nike promoter. Just do it. Or the lack of, for just a little lowbrow side of it today, he would have said, you know, get her done. You know, you've you got to do it. You can't just sit around and talk about the gospel. The gospel requires action. And so here's Mark writing this action book. And sometimes we, we, can, we can sit down with the Bible, kind of read it in a boring way. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to read this. And, you know, and then immediately Jesus did this, and suddenly the demons came out. And we can, but Mark's going, what are you guys doing? The greatest story on the face of the earth, and you're making it boring. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came down and conquered sin and death. And listen to these stories, listen to these, to these vignettes. And the, the Roman government was persecuting Christians, and it was going to get worse. And the, the people are saying, are you sure about this, Mark? Are you really sure that this really happened this way? And there's a little story that's in the book of, uh, or a little short sentence, that's in the book of Mark that is not in the other um, uh, the other gospels and in this little thing we, we have the setup of one of the most dramatic scenes that has ever happened or will ever happen on the face of the earth Jesus Christ has had his disciples he served them the last supper they have gone through this, this time of, of, of finding out who they are um, Jesus has, has told them that, that somebody was going to betray them and that Peter was going to deny him. And Jesus is in the garden. Judas has, has sold Jesus out. He's bringing the, 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 the guards to come and to arrest Jesus Christ. And Peter has, has cut off the, the temple guard's uh, servant's ear uh, I mean, it is, it is dramatic. Jesus has been betrayed. He is facing the cross. 
And right in at that point, in this most dramatic, dynamic scene that the earth will ever see, there's this sentence. And it's in, it's in Mark in chapter 14, verse 51. And a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus when they seized him. And he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Why in the world is that there? We've got the Son of God being betrayed, and we've got some naked kid running around in the garden. Who do you think that little kid was? We believe that the Last Supper was served in Mark John's house by his mother, his mother Mary, is the one that set it all up. And I think that just the curiosity of any kid is going to see this dynamic thing going, I'm going to follow, I'm going to see. I know, I know Jesus does some pretty important things. I'm going to follow. I think Mark is saying, yeah, the disciples were there, but I want you to know something. I was there too. I may have been naked, but, but I was there. <laughs> so Mark is going to show this video blast of Jesus, showing his power that he is strong and that he is victorious. That he has, he has more, more strength than the worst sickness around. That he heals leprosy. That he, he, he heals the, the paralytic. That he, uh, the, he, the blind, is, it's nothing to him. He is going to, Mark is going to show that demon has power over demons those things, those, those things that maybe in a modern world we might, we might interpret them as being mental illness. But Mark is going to show that Jesus Christ had power over, over the demons. He's going to show that in a confrontation between Satan and Beelzebub, that Jesus is going to win. He's going to show that Jesus had power over nature itself, that he could calm the storms on the sea. That in the middle of difficulties that he could cause the fishermen's nets to be full. Mark is going to show that, that Jesus was even more powerful than the, the fake religions. Kind of pulled a little word fake in. It's a good word to use right now. Uh, but he was more powerful than the fake religions. That Jesus came to, to fulfill the Old Testament law. That he was even more powerful than that Old Testament law. That he was the Lord of the Sabbath. That he was Sabbath. You don't go to a one day of the week to get rest, but now then you come to me. I'm the place that you're going to find rest. Mark is going to show that Jesus had power over death here on earth. He's going to raise the, the little girl from the dead. He's going to show that Jesus had power over illnesses that doctors couldn't, couldn't even begin to deal with. And a woman with an issue of blood for, for, for 12 years that he is going to heal her. Mark is going to show that, that he had the, the power over nature's provisions. At one time, Jesus is going to take two simple fish and five simple loaves, and he's going to feed 5,000 people, and when it's all done and said, he's going to have 12 baskets left over. Mark is going to show again that he's going to take seven loaves and a few fish, and he's going to feed 4,000. Because Mark understood and he saw and he heard the message that Peter was preaching. And he wrote these things down because he knew that someday you were going to be facing some kind of a persecution too. And you needed to hear this. Mark is going to tell about something that takes place on the Mount of Transfiguration. Where Moses and Elijah come down and have a meeting with Jesus himself. 
He's going to show that he is the Lord of the Old Testament. And ultimately, he's going to show that Jesus Christ had the victory to overcome sin and death, and that he rose from the dead. And he proved it. He proved that he had risen from the dead by meeting with his disciples, of, of, of showing himself to sometimes groups of over 500 people at one time. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mark is saying it's true. You can base your life on it. Yeah, get ready. Hard times are coming. But you got to make it through it because Jesus is victorious. And that's the only way that's going to make. And so and he's basically saying, and now then, folks, what do you think about that? Are, are you going to, to serve God? Are you going to, to, to go to his plan of salvation? And are you going to follow him? It was a message for people who are facing hard times to give them hope. And we have that same hope today. No matter what kind of hard times you're facing, the same gospel that, that Mark was giving to the people who are going to be facing the persecution from Nero, it's the same thing. The same Holy Spirit that, that was strengthening them is the same Holy Spirit that strengthens you. He had you in mind because he knew that sometime a couple of thousand years later, people in Claremont were going to need to know that Jesus is buff and he wins in the end. And if you're facing life situations right now, what are you expecting? Are you expecting victory in Christ? Because see, one of the things that Mark is trying to get across to, 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 the, to his audience is that you've got to ex be expecting Jesus to come through for you. If you're not expecting it, nothing is going to happen. You've got to have hope that, that Jesus Christ is going to face that problem. You got to have hope. You got to have your life built on that hope that I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Hope, a definition of hope. Hope is the happy and confident anticipation of good. Now, these people, they're going to, a lot of them are going to be, sometime in the future, they're going to be thrown in, into the Colosseum and the lions are going to eat them. But have hope. In the middle of life situations, hope is that attitude of, you know what, it's all going to work out in the end. It's all going to be okay. Now, one of the, one of the gospels, in the, the gospel of, of John, John writes something, and it, it's something that I, 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 I say it all as, as often as I can. And in John, in chapter, chapter 20, in verse 31... John makes a statement. It is so crucial to everything that, that we have. Uh, he says, um, let me go over to the right place. John 20, uh, verse 31. I think I said 19, verse 31. Um, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in his name. And these stories that Mark is writing down, they're written so that you may believe, so that you can have life in his name. John, is in, in, in one of his other letters, in 1 John, he's going to say, these things are written down to you that believe so that you can make it, so that you can, you can, you can get through tough times. Now, these video blasts, these hard-hitting, fast stories, boom, 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 they are there to, to build your faith and to encourage you. And that's the reason that, that 
a, a real serious study of the Word of God, whether it's a Bible study, whether it is your, your daily devotions, it is something that is essential because it is going to, to cause you to believe. It's going to cause you to, to live in hope that you can have faith in the person of Jesus Christ and knowing that I, I can make it. No matter how hard it may be, I can make it. You know, you know that it is possible to be a person of faith. It's possible to have stepped across the line of faith to know that you're going to heaven for eternity and still not have hope? You know, we, we, we've been around it. I know that this church has nobody like that in it. Um, but there are other churches uh, that have people that they have faith, but everything is always a downer. Everything is, oh, it's not going to work out right. When I was teaching school a long, long, long time ago, more years than I, want, <laughs> than I can remember, um, but... Uh, and I had this, this little, little guy, and I was teaching fourth grade at the time, and I had this little guy come in, and it was just like, how at, at, at the fourth grade, how can you be so hopeless? You know, I mean, I would say, you know, hey, do, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, I can't do, well, I know you can't do it. I'm going to teach you how to do it. So, so you, know, you, know, you know, okay, uh, you know, your name is, 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 is Jimmy, so make a J this way. I can't do that. I can't do that. I mean, how does hopelessness come into a person at that young of an age? Uh, I don't have an answer to it because it just baffled me. But what I do know is by the continual encouragement, by the end of, of the time, he, he, could, he could make a J. Uh, but, but it was just that hopelessness. And sometimes in our Christian walk, Christians can be like Jimmy. Oh, I, I can't do that. I, I, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. I, I don't have the hope that I, I'll ever be able to do that. You see, now, when I was growing up uh, in my, my family and in my church, I was taught to trust the Bible. I was taught to trust the Word of God, that the Word of God is the, 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 the truth, and I must believe and trust in the word of God. It is the source of all hope. For those of you who's been around for a while, do you remember a, a while back, a year or two or so ago, Pastor Josh got up on the stage here, he, he got this anchor and uh, he poured out a, a, like five gallons of sand up on the stage. I don't know if you remember it or not. And then he, and he takes this anchor and he says, okay, this, you know, is, your, is, this, is this your faith in God? Is it sand? And nothing happened, you know. No anchor. You know, and then Pastor Josh, in his creative way, got a fork, had the fork to bring in this, this, this big, huge rock here that will never be moved again. Uh, but he takes this, you know, the anchor and... And when it's hooked on the rock, the solid rock of the word of God it ain't going nowhere I was raised put your trust and your faith in the word of God you'll be strong and you're going to make it no matter what you're facing the enemy wants you to doubt the word of God he wants you to watch those lies on the history channel that says that, that, that the Bible is just one of those things that's just kind of laying around and some people put it together the, the Bible is the word of God. It is the written word of God to man that says you're going to make it. That 
that without hope, you're not going to make it. But maybe as human beings, we can struggle and maybe kind of make it a little bit through life. And so what I, there's, I want to just quickly mention three stories today that, that are in the book of, 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 of Mark, the, these video blasts of stories. And the first one is, is, the, is the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, that she was... She makes her way, she pushes her way through the crowd. Most of you know this. And, you know, technically in the culture, she was socially unclean. She shouldn't have been out in public. She can't do that because, because the, the, the law said that she just simply cannot be. The Jewish law said she cannot be out in the, in the crowd. But there was something happened. She had hope. She had hope. Her hope was, if I can just touch the, the bottom of his, of, of, of his coat, I'm going to be healed. You know, and you know the story. She, she pushes her way through. She touches the, the, the hem of the garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples go, who touched you? Uh, everybody. <laughs> There's a crowd here, Jesus. And he says, no, no, no. This one was different. When you touch Jesus with hope, it's different than t- just touching Jesus. We can come to church and just kind of touch Jesus. We can read the word of God and kind of touch Jesus and brush into him. But when you read the word of God and you have hope that this thing is for me and I'm going to make it, and that's when it becomes that thing. These things are written so that you can believe that you have eternal life and believe that you're going to make it. The action was she had to get out and do it. She had to push her way through. She had to ignore what everybody said and what they thought about her. Her hope shattered the barriers of hopeless situations. Doctors couldn't help her, but Jesus could, and she believed that, and she pushed through the crowd. And something even greater happened than even what she expected. Yeah, she was healed, and that was great for her. You know what? Her story is written down in the Word of God. How many people through that down history have been touched and believe that they're going to make it through a tough situation Because this one woman said, I don't care what everybody says. I don't care if I'm socially unclean. I'll risk everything to to, to have Jesus heal me. Down through the ages and all across the world, this woman's message is heard. Hey, you you push in. Don't don't pay attention to what people are telling you you can't do. Push in and get what you can do. Forget about the crowd. Move ahead. Another one is a Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and says, you know, my, my daughter's got a demon. I mean, she's, she's got some mental problems that are just, just crazy, and this demon is just driving her nuts. Would, would you heal her? And Jesus said, it's not fair to take the bread. I mean, he, he was testing her. He said, it's not fair to take the bread from the table and give it to the dogs. He's calling a woman a dog. Now, that's, not, that's not the way to win friends and influence people. You know, on the front of your, uh, your bulletin, there's, you know, there's this picture, you know, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now, this is theologically incorrect. This should have been a Scotty dog, not a chihuahua. Um, but um, but um, uh, you know, he's testing it, you know, and, and this is where the woman says, even the dogs under the table, just, you know, your crumbs are more than I've got. See, the woman had hope, 
Even though she was not a Jew, even though she was not a part of the culture at that time, her hope was there. I know that this guy can, can heal my daughter. And she, and she makes this statement, in essence, kind of arguing with Jesus. Well, even, even the dogs get the crumbs. I just want some crumbs. And Jesus says, ha, ha, ha. The answer like that, you go back. The demon's left your daughter. She's going to be okay. Then the last story I want to hit on the third story just quickly is a guy by the name of, of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus doesn't even have his own name. He's just Bar's son, son you know, son of, 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 of Tim. Tim's son was, was blind. It's in chapter 10, verse 46. And he was just a beggar. He was a beggar and, you know, and uh, outside of Jerusalem, I mean, outside of Jericho. And... Uh, uh, he hears the crowd coming. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And, and this guy, he's over here. The crowd's over here. You know, and, and Bartimaeus is there. And he says, wait a minute. I, Jesus, the guy that's healing people. Uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, and you know, nobody's paying attention to him. And so, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, everybody, shh, be quiet. This is Jesus, son of David, the healer. Leave him alone. Uh-uh, Jesus! <laughs> he wasn't going to be denied. There was action there. And these Romans, they liked the action of somebody getting up and saying, I need help from this guy. I need help from Jesus. And it was the thing that encouraged the Romans, at, when they were going to be first facing persecution, to, to stand up and say, I need Jesus, and I'm not going to quit yelling until he pays attention to me. And Jesus comes to him and says, you know, you know, what? And he says, bring him here. And everybody's saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, hey, come over here. <laughs> yeah, we like you. Come over here. We come over here. You know, says, you know, and Jesus says, what do you want? You know, and Bartimaeus says, well, I'm blind. And I was thinking maybe one of those white canes with a red tip on the end. Or maybe even, you know, a dog that, that can help me cross the light, cross the street with the lights and you know, you know, you can take them on airplanes now, and uh, I think you know one of the, you know. No, he says, Jesus, I want to see. And it was that faith. Jesus says, "Man, your your sight is restored." And he was healed instantly. The Bible says that as Jesus is walking down the street, he's got to get a different name now. He can't be called blind Bartimaeus anymore. He's going to be called seeing Bartimaeus. I'm sure he got his own first name after that. You see, these, the, the gospel requires action. The gospel requires moving ahead. And we can limit God by, by our lack of action, by our lack of saying, God, I'm going to push to the crowd. God, I'm going to make my request. No, God, I'm going to yell until, until I get the answer because I've got that hope and I've got to be moving ahead in what Jesus wants me to do. You know, we can kind of have the idea that, well, I, I, why should I ask for more? God's been pretty good to me and I've got a good life. Why should I ask for more? Is it wrong to ask for more stability? 
for more financial stability in your life, more, more health in your li- better health in your life? Is it wrong to ask for more friends? Is it wrong to ask for more wisdom, for more understanding from the Word of God? Is it wrong to ask for more for your children? Is it wrong to, to ask for more for your church? Is it wrong to ask for more for the orphans that, sh- that, that, that this church is responsible for taking for? Is it wrong to, to ask for our church to have the presence and the power of God every time we come together? Is it wrong for us to ask for more miracles? Is it wrong to ask for, for more breakthrough power that's just a part of who our church is? If the answer is, well, it might be, then we're, we're limiting God because God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He has all the power that the world will ever see, that all of creation will ever see. We can have this idea, well, I can't do it. God throws out a challenge to Abraham, well, I can't do it. He throws out a challenge to Sarah, well, we, we, can't, we can't have a kid. You know, have, you, you know, have you seen Sarah? She's old. We can't do it. He threw out the challenge to, to Jonah to, to, to preach to God. I can't do it. He made a way. Moses, I, I can't do it. I can't speak right. God made a way. And so it's these ideas of, of getting past these can'ts. One person put it this way, that miracles come in cans. And so you have to go out and buy cans of miracles. And so every time you're facing difficulty in your marriage, open up a can of happy marriage. I can have a happy marriage. I have hope in God. I can be an overcomer. Opening up a can of forgiveness. I am going to, to, to forgive in this situation. I'm going to choose to have God's point of view. Uh, I am going to raise godly kids. I'm going to open a can of raising godly kids. I'm going to open a can of developing God-honoring finances. I'm going to open up a can of a positive attitude in life. And so my encouragement to you is to expect highly. Expect like, like these stories that were written so that you can believe. These stories are written so that you can have faith so that you can to move ahead in life. And while they were going to be facing persecution, I think Mark's main message was trust in God, lighten up, and have a good time. Because Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life to the fullest. You know, if you've never... I'm going to ask the ushers and the band to come on up. If you never stepped across that line of faith, I want to encourage you to do it today. If you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, it takes action. It takes that mindset of the Roman. I'm going to go out and do it. I'm going to be a conqueror. This, this past week, we had a very encouraging meeting with, with, with the elders in the church. And, um, and, uh, I, I, and I know that our church is in a really incredible place. It's in a great place. You know, and... Uh, as most of you know, Doug, our worship leader, is one of our elders in our church. He said, I want to say some things. So, Doug. Well, um, like I said earlier, I know everyone in this place is in a different, uh, different situation. Some of you guys have been here a long time, and um, some of you are probably fairly new. And maybe for some of you, it's, you know, if you've just been here first time, maybe today, or you've been here a few times. And I just want to be able to give you the opportunity today, if there's those that maybe have not um, received Christ, 
or you're just not sure if it's like real. You know, I remember going to um, being invited to church early on, and um, I just had thought before that that church was boring and there wasn't anything there. And but I, I reluctantly went, and um, I just began. I felt something when I went into this this place. I, when when I talk to people, I, I tell them to look for a church and make sure it's a church that God goes to, because um, it's pretty important. You know, um, there are there are places where you, you can go and um, you just don't feel that that presence of God is there. But I felt that 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 time. <coughs> excuse me. And um, um, God just began to kind of speak to my heart while I was there, and. Um, just calling me saying, you know, I have a plan. I got a life of adventure that I've already set before you. And um, I just want you to be able to, to live in that and to tap into that. And so I had given my life to Christ. Um, and that was about 38 years ago when I was in high school. So um, it's definitely been an awesome, adventurous journey. And um, sure, there's ups and downs, but when there's down times and you're walking with the one that created you, um, life is pretty awesome because you know that uh, someone's got your back, and um, it's just an awesome thing. So, you know, wherever you're at in this place, um, I'm just going to have everyone uh, bow their head, close their eyes, and I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. If you want to receive Christ today, um, or maybe you haven't been walking in, in the way that you want to walk and you want to move into a closer relationship with Christ, just look up and make eye contact with me. And that's all I'm going to ask you to do so I can be able to pray with you and um, give you that chance today. Praise God. So just pray with me. God, I just want to be in a place that you want me to be. And... Um, I would have you to come into my life in a real and powerful way. Um, even if I know you already, God, I just pray that you would um, strengthen me and make me into the full person that you want me to be in, in you, Christ. And I thank you for that, Lord. Um, after the service is over, we're going to have a little prayer time in the back. And um, if you want to talk to someone about receiving Christ today, um, and get a little bit more prayer for that. Um, go back and, and meet with some prayer, prayer teams back there. Or if you have a need this morning, a physical need or a financial need or a spiritual need or something that you're carrying that you know God is bigger and God can take that and you want to be able to give that over to him today, you know, that's what this is all about. So <clears throat> when we're done, make your way back to the back. Have someone pray with you and agree with you this morning. And um, God's going to do some great things. So I'm going to give this... Back to Pastor to uh, bless our offering. Help us all to develop God-honoring attitudes towards our finances. That Jesus will be Lord of, of that as well. Bless this offering to its fullest possible extent. That people will come to know Jesus Christ because of the existence of this church. We ask these things in your holy name, Lord. Amen.